podcast about all things St. Pete, hosted by the one and only St. Pete is Super Cool. As always, this is Sadabe, and today I am with Hinson the Healer, another one of our amazing local artists here in St. Pete. How are you today? Good. How are you guys? Good, good. I'm so excited that you reached out about being on the podcast. Yeah, I was just really excited. I know that we've talked at events a couple of times mm-hmm. in the past, and I've just always enjoyed speaking with you guys and had fun. Oh, uh, thank and you. then I saw Megan's yes. episode, and I was like, you know, that does look a lot like a lot of fun. Yeah. So I should reach out to them. She and... was like so nervous about doing it, like, because I had, like, like you, like, I had talked to her at multiple events. I yeah. had seen her art, and I was just like, hey, like, you know, would you like to be on the podcast? And she's like, teared up a little bit, and she's like, me? Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, you're a local artist, and like, your, your story, like, should be her too. And, you know, and I love, like, hearing from the women too, because, you know, it's like, I find it hard sometimes to find the women yeah. to and, and talk to them, but like the men are always readily available to talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I try to even it out that way, but it ended up being a great episode. No, yeah, she did a really good job. Yeah, I was really excited about it. Like when I saw her, because she's one of those people that like she for sure has her own style and, mm-hmm. and just like does what she wants to do and that's her thing and she's like very unashamed of it so it was cool to get to hear her you know just like sit down and talk about it and yeah she's like another one of those artists that like it like her style is so intertwined with like who she is yeah exactly know it's her yeah you don't need to see the name you don't need to like nothing you know it's her. no i never have to look at the title card you just like no you know like oh that's megan yeah exactly so she's gonna love that i'm like you have to really listen to this episode megan yeah (laughs) so let's talk about you now Okay, so like, when did you decide that you wanted to be an artist and like this was your calling? So, I I would say, honestly, back in high school, um, I knew that I was going to be an artist at some point in my life, you know, and I did pursue that. Uh, That's what I went to college for. Mm -hmm. Um, My degree was for both art history uh, and then uh, classic studio arts, like 2D studio arts. Okay. and then there was a short period of time after college where I was like, I should at least try and be a normal adult. You know what I mean? For a little bit. And I ended up becoming like an insurance agent because of that. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I kind of went through that whole thing. And then one day I was like sitting in the, the office at the insurance job I was working at. And the guy that owned the company walks in and I was like staring out the window, like daydreaming, you know, I was watching these construction workers just kind of like working on a median in the middle of the road daydreaming and he was like he was like no you know don't worry about it he was like when i was your age i used to stare out the window and and daydream stare at construction workers a lot i was always super grateful that i like wasn't them and got to be in air conditioning and stuff like that you know and i was like oh i can't do this for the rest of my life because i was daydreaming about like being them and not being stuck in stuck in here you know what i mean oh wow so that's when it was kind of like okay i should you know take what i actually want to do a little bit more seriously and yeah um that's when the the kind of like final push towards like making it a reality happened nice yeah i think i quit that job like two days later or something like oh, that oh wow and yeah. so like you're like a full-time artist now right yeah so um i have a little side gig that i do mm-hmm. um which I, I probably could stop if i wanted to uh but the one of the people that I work with, I care about deeply. Um, mm-hmm. 
he's autistic and he has a hard time like conversing with other people you know so I've cut that down to just be a couple hours at night just so I get to like see him and make sure he has somebody to like vent to and you know talk to Mm -hmm. it brings in a little bit extra money for me it puts money in his pocket if he wants to buy like video games or you know something like that um so I do still do that in the evenings but other than that yeah I'm just chilling doing my thing I feel like these days do like, you know, it's especially after COVID and everything, like things aren't getting cheaper and it's like not really getting any easier to live. So it's like, yeah, it's like you kind of do need to have those little side gigs. And if you can have a side gig that you genuinely do enjoy going to, then more power to you. Yeah. I mean, plus what I do, it's like all manual labor. So it's just kind of like a workout. You know what I mean? Like I, I go, I climb 150 flights of stairs. Uh, it takes me about three hours um, carry around a bunch of heavy stuff and then I come back like eight pounds lighter and go to bed you know perfect <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like you've got like your dream they're like you were like you're looking at the construction workers and you're like yeah, yeah like I could do that being outside that's nice yeah you know and you got to be the artist that you want yeah I to get be. to do both yeah I've nice. always liked uh working hard like back in in high school I like you know I did like taekwondo jiu-jitsu mma I did powerlifting I played football I threw for track and field so it was like all the like big guy throw heavy things sports you know what I mean so um and I still enjoy that to a degree just not the competition really um but I do really enjoy like the physical aspect of it so nice and then I think you you were saying to us like before um you know we started recording everything that it's like you know your your parents kind of wanted you to go to like this more business yeah. track uh, mindset, and you just kind of went completely left field yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, uh, and especially you know you're like, well, I got to go towards art because you know you said you got injured. Yeah. And you're like, and I just like you like I can't do this normal stuff. Yeah. Well, my grandfather uh, was Les Wexner's personal architect. Okay. Um, when he was like building out the limited and all that stuff, who owns? If you don't know who Les Wexner is, he like owns Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, oh, okay. Pink Limited Express. My whole like, girl childhood. Yes, <laughs> I think most people's like mall experience. He yeah. owns like the large majority of it, you know. Um, and so my grandfather was his his architect, and because of that, that whole side of the family is like very business minded, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so my parents just kind of thought that I would gravitate in that direction because most people in the family did. And I was, to be fair, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like super jock, you know, interested in all the like stereotypical like business classes mm-hmm. type thing. And then I was lifting one day for football and we were doing bench. And I went to go rack the bar. It was like I had done 25 reps or something go to rack the bar the spotter thought i had racked it already but i missed the like hooks you know like just barely i think they were up just a little bit too high for me maybe i was too tired or something and so he went to go lean on the bar and he like put his hand on it but that was like just enough extra weight to send it like crashing down so it smashed out a bunch of my teeth uh gave me whiplash concussion immediately um and then you know we got the weights off my face i stood up i was like spitting teeth and blood all over him yelling at him my coach comes over he's like what happened same thing to my coach uh and then that night I went and I got like dental surgery where they kind of like fixed up what needed to be fixed up you know kind of like molded my teeth back to look like they were actual teeth but most of them are still fake now um it's like the same stuff that you fill cavities with so I don't have dentures but it's like you know that like white putty that they fill your cavities Uh with that's like what most of my teeth are made out of because the roots were still intact because it didn't like pull the roots out it just like smashed off like the The, teeth part yeah Yeah. um so 
I got that done that night. The next day I was back at lifting. Um, yeah, the day after this. And then we had a game. Oh my God, and you played? Yeah, no, that wasn't the next day. I think that was that Friday. And so that Friday I played, uh, you know, varsity football. I was a sophomore. And then the day after that, they gave me a different jersey number because we had a, like a pretty small team. And, and if your number is registered for the varsity game, you're not allowed to play the JV game. So they gave me a different jersey with a different number. And I played the JV game the following morning after the varsity game. And then I just don't remember anything for like eight weeks, I think, something like that. Uh, and it turns out like I got a severe TBI, uh, traumatic brain injury, um, which I didn't know even that's what it was called until I got married and my wife was looking through my medical records and she was like, you weren't joking, huh? You really got messed up. And I was like, I guess, man, you know? Um, and then it was like, I went from kind of stereotypical boy to like right in the middle of puberty. All of a sudden I was like, I'm a different person, you know? So I started doing a lot of pottery and, uh, the pottery teacher at my school, uh, his name was Andy and he, uh, he found out that I was kind of like, I was getting super into the art stuff and not so much classes. Mm -hmm. And he was able to work with the school to convince them to give me more time in the pottery room and, you know, extra classes oriented towards that because it was a private school and I was there primarily to play sports for them, but that was a no go anymore, you know? So they yeah, had I mean, yeah, yeah. So he figured something else out for me, which was nice. Aww. And, uh, he, it turns out he was actually the apprentice of a very well-known potter named Toshiko Takezu, who was like put in the Smithsonian uh, for her pottery and stuff like that. I have one of her books up there um, that he gave me when I graduated high school. So you just kind of like been molded into like yeah. the art world, yeah, just, so like somehow. He was a great like introduction point to me for like what it could be like to be a professional artist. And uh, from from there, it was like, you know, I was just on rocket fuel. I just kind of took off Nice. With it. Yeah. Do you feel like, in a sense, like art and your art career now has kind of helped you come to terms with, in a sense, your traumatic injury, because it was a traumatic injury. Yeah. And that kind of, like you said, like, kind of like completely being a different person, like right in the middle of puberty. Yeah, I think it was more traumatic for everybody around me, because I don't remember it. You know what I mean? So oh. it, can't, it can't be that hard for me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think it was a lot harder for all of them. Uh, I think the only portion that was hard for me was all of a sudden realizing that I couldn't remember stuff like names, dates. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I still struggle with that, you know? Um, yeah. And it's like, it's basically just like a worse version of somebody who's like naturally very forgetful, you know? So yeah. I think that was the hardest thing to come to terms with. But as far as art goes i think it uh because i spent so much time alone in like the art rooms you know i uh i was just kind of able to take that time to get to know who i am and everything like that and i would say nowadays because of that i know like who i am and about my personality more than like the average person you know um which is why i'm able to be an artist you know i think most artists can say the same thing about yeah. themselves um and I think, you know, because of that time, I definitely have like a strong grasp on who I am. So I think nice. overall it was a really positive thing that happened in my life, which is weird to say about a brain injury, but yeah, yeah, I, it's a good way to also like look at, you know, in a sense, something that was like really life changing. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like, yeah, like my life is cool now. 
yeah, my life is sick. I mean, like... Dope-ass studio? Yeah. I got a studio that I absolutely love. I get to play with spray paint every day. Um, I have a beautiful wife, two dogs and two cats, you know, and just chilling, man. Yeah. Doing my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. How does your, like, is your family, like, really accepting of, like, the left turn you kind of took? Yeah, so my dad is dead. And my mom actually rents out half the house from us uh, oh, cool. so yeah she loves it yeah nice yeah i like i love hearing like when artists are just like yeah like my family think it is like thinks it's dope yeah because like there are a lot of families that are just like no 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 art yeah no none of that doctor like yeah. I, i've come from a persian background and everyone's like lawyers engineers and doctors yeah. and i like work at a coffee shop part-time and like run my own business yeah but I also feel like my family, like, because my dad was like that. My dad was just kind of like, F you do what you guys want. I'm going to go be a star in America, yeah. you know? And um, they're just kind of like, oh, she is his daughter. Like, yeah. just let's let her be. Like, That's real world stuff, though. You know what I mean? Like, working at a coffee shop or, like, I used to uh, help run a head shop or, you know... Um, all those like even if you like work at a mall or something mm -hmm. like that like that's the real world man and like some yeah. people never make it out of that phase um and that's okay you know because it's like you're just out there living your life doing your thing and yeah you know it's just yeah. the only thing you really can do at the end of the day you know? i mean it, i feel like there's when they say there's somebody for everybody out there i feel like there it also applies to like there's a job for everybody yep. out there you know because like there's some people that are like perfectly happy you know working for the city hall and trash for the rest of their life or you know delivering packages there's some people that are happy working in call centers like mm -hmm. you know no matter what the job is you'll always find at least one or two people that are just like, like this genuinely. is who i am yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah we need those people yeah we do because when i call you know my credit card company yeah. I want to talk to that person. Well, that's how my wife is. Like, she loves working with numbers. She works at a bank, and, like, anything with numbers and spreadsheets and all that stuff that drives me insane, she loves it. God bless her, dude. I yeah. hate numbers. Like, today, I was just like, why is this so complicated? I can't subtract. Like, yeah. I hate numbers. Yeah. But I went to school to be a journalism major. Yeah. So, it's just that's like, crazy. I was like, I just want words. I was like, don't, yeah. I don't even give me those numbers. Those yeah. things are bad. They're evil. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But yes, yet I'm also into numerology somehow. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm a contradiction of everything. Um, but let's get back like a little bit more like into like your art itself. Like describe yeah. like your art style to us because I feel like it is kind of like a little bit inspired by, as you were saying, um, I've like forgotten the word, but like I see a lot of like Asian influence. There's like yeah. just a lot of just like kind of like old timey kind of influence in your art and what drew you to that? Yeah. So when I first started out with pottery, actually, um, once I learned that, uh, my teacher was an apprentice of this really well-known Japanese potter. Um, I kind of started looking into like Japanese culture and folklore, you mm -hmm. know? And so I became really obsessed with like different yokai, which are like Japanese spirits, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and there tend to be like yokai for everything. Like there's a yokai that will steal your tofu if you leave it out overnight. And there's a yokai that will haunt you if you bring a wet umbrella inside. Do you know what I mean? Like, so all kinds of crazy stuff. And there's more serious ones too, more goofy ones, you know, it just depends. But they're all like fully illustrated. You can find mm -hmm. reference images of all of them. Um, and I always thought that was really cool. 
So I got really interested in that. And then a little bit later in life, when I was an art history student, I kind of noticed that despite the culture of it being so prevalent throughout the U.S., you never really heard any official references towards like American traditional tattooing mm -hmm. or like American folk characters. Some, you know, you have like John Henry and like the really big ones, Johnny Appleseed. Um, but you didn't really find references to some of the lesser known ones, which is weird compared to most countries. Because, like, if you go over to, like, Europe, for example, they'll have, like, whole galleries full of just references to, like, folk art, you know. Um, and so out of college, I started learning how to, like, draw and paint flash, like a uh, traditional tattooing flash um, with, like, spit shading, you know, like taking a brush and brushing out the Indian to make gradients, you know, and watercolors and calligraphy tools. And so I got really familiar with that imagery and I started to realize that a lot of that were these like American folk characters that I was, you know, interested in learning yeah. about. Um, so I started talking to the right people, learning about that. And then eventually, once I found spray paint and I was kind of looking for my own thing to do, I didn't want to just do letters and I didn't want to just learn how to do realistic stuff so I could do murals because I kind of felt like there were a lot of people doing that and it like it is really dope and it takes a lot of talent but i just wanted to do something where you could look at it and be like oh i know who did that you know okay um so i started thinking a lot about things that had inspired me to make art and that's when i kind of remembered like oh yeah you know i do have all these reference books on yeah. like japanese folklore i do have all these traditional tattooing books and i started looking through them and combining like the elements that i liked of each you know as well as uh, graffiti and stuff like that mm -hmm. in order to um you know come up with what i do now so essentially what that means is it's very heavily focused around line work clean lines using lines to either create detail or direct attention mm -hmm. um but then unlike most american traditional stuff i do get a little bit more complex with shading um and things like that because american traditional tattoos when you think about the limitations they had and what they were working with there were only so many sources that you could bring a shadow out from before you made the design look muddy, right? Because both your lines and your shadows were black, mm -hmm. right? So um, I kind of, since I'm not working with those same constraints, I was able to take a lot of that imagery and just kind of expound on it as far yeah. as, you know, shadows, form, volume go. Um, and a lot of that was inspired by the Japanese traditional stuff. And so I've just kind of taken all those influences and, and created something that I think has a really unique interesting look yeah why do you think like that as far as like in america goes in the u.s like mm -hmm. you said you know when you go overseas in europe like their uh like the folk art is mm -hmm. in museums but in here like we don't really yeah. pay attention to it well i think because like america just did a lot of really horrible things right and we were looking to uh erase that as much as possible like my dad was uh full-blooded iroquois right so mm -hmm. i'm half um and what's insane about that is i've never met somebody that's either as native as either me or my father and i'm mm -hmm. only half you know the closest i've met are people that are like 1 16th or like yeah. you know 132nd or something which is insane you know i've never met anybody that like hasn't ever met somebody from their own, you know, uh, like their own lineage. And um, I think, you know, because of what we've done in the past to different communities, they were in such a hurry to erase a lot of the imagery depicting that and a lot of, you know, insensitive characters or figures mm -hmm. um, that they also got rid of the stuff that was innocent, 
You know what I mean? And some of the stuff that just simply depicted daily life, you know? Like, there was a character I did recently, and he was, like, this big, fat dog, like, smoking a cigar, and he had, like, this old-school hat on, you know, and, like, all these hairs on his neck rolls and stuff. And um, what that really came from was... uh, like traveling hobos which was a big culture back in the day oh, it yeah. was like a very common thing and it wasn't like necessarily frowned upon either it was just a thing people did mm-hmm. you know um what they would make these magazines of like different cartoons or whatever and sell them for money to be able to buy canned food right mm-hmm. um so that way they could hop back on the rail lines and keep going and this dog character was basically just used as an image to depict like a boss overseeing his workers you know just like at a factory or like it was meant to represent just basically how your boss is always on your back telling you like you should work harder for your wife you know what i mean or your house should be bigger by now what are you doing you know like all these stereotypical things um and unfortunately it was one of those things that also got erased despite the fact that it was just a personification of what these people were the life these people are trying not to live by just riding the railroad all the yeah. time. You know what I mean? So I feel like too, it's like sometimes here in the U S like you said, we're like trying so hard to erase all of like the bad and the negative we mm-hmm. did that. We also do just kind of like really like wipe out the innocent. Yeah. And we add a lot of like negative like connotations to stuff. That's just kind of okay. Yeah. Well, it, just because it was depicting daily life doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad thing. You yeah. Know? Like, um, and there's other ones too you'll see a lot of depictions of hobos from that time dressed up as clowns you know Mm -hmm. and it was because they did perform as clowns for circuses and stuff like that and um you know it's one of those things that also just kind of gotten forgotten because of time one because they're a little bit creepy you know what i mean like you still don't like clowns yeah you still do find them everywhere but it was just a genuinely accurate prediction of like what they were or not prediction but a representation Mm -hmm. of what they were doing at the time you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but again, it's one of those things that's kind of been lost to time. And, yeah. You know. Do you think if you were, like, living in that era, you'd be, like, a, like a traveling hobo, or would you want to be, like, more of a businessman? I'd probably be homeless, man. Yeah. yeah. If it weren't for my wife, I'd probably be homeless, man. <laughs> I'm, like, I, like, I'm not, like, an irresponsible person. I'm definitely a saver. But uh, I think because of my brain damage, I'm, like brutally honest and i tend not to allow people to tell me what to do you know what i mean um which is like both a good thing and can be problematic Mm -hmm. you know so problematic in the way of like you know somebody's like you have to get this done today and i'll be like if it's what i want to do today i'll do it you know what i mean um which is like a mixed personality trait to have so i think if it wasn't for her no matter what the era um i probably would just be like making art living in a box and just very happy about it you know yeah yeah i mean if you think about it though like you kind of like get to like live that dream but then again yeah. also have like a little bit more structure yeah exactly you, know? yeah. like, you kind of are like in a box you're just like enjoying you know creating your art but then you get to like go in there and be like oh hey how are you yeah exactly like, yeah i have a structured life yeah yeah it's nice i mean it's definitely one of those things where um i work really hard to make this a reality for myself you know um like i'm only half joking when i say i would probably be homeless but uh it's one of those things like i wake up in the morning uh normally at like 7 30 and then 7 30 to 9 is like answering emails returning phone calls if i know people are going to be awake that early social media things Mm -hmm. you know 
And then nine to 10 is finding a reference image for that day for the wall, my eight foot by eight foot wall that I yeah. paint every day. Um, from 10 till like 10.30 is redrawing it. 10.30 to 11, I come out here, pick out my colors, make sure I have enough of everything. Uh, 11 till about one, painting. Uh, one to two, edit my video. Um, and then like two until normally like three social media stuff, then I eat either for the first or the second time during the day. Um, and then it's off to the, the thing that I do at night. Um, you really do have a very night. structured yeah. Like, yeah. timetable. Yeah, well, because it kind of has to be, like my approach to how I make my art is like very ham-fisted compared mm -hmm. to most people, right? And the manner of, because it stresses so heavily, uh, something like lines with spray paint, which is a very technical thing, you know, um, I have to spend a ton of time practicing it. Otherwise it's not going to get done. So if I don't organize my entire day around having several hours every single day, just to practice, to make myself better, um, then I just won't make any, at least quick progress with it, you know? Hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty dead set on having a memorable career. Nice. Um, so if that's what it takes you know so be it yeah yeah is there like anything that you really want to like kind of start like learning and practicing more and kind of incorporate into your art yeah i'm always looking at things so uh when you're doing a lot of spray paint and stuff like that i think it's really important to keep a close eye on the graffiti community um because if it weren't for the graffiti community we really wouldn't know anything about spray paint just period you know um there wouldn't be muralists using spray paint and and doing big works or anything like that basically everything we know as like street art and and muralism currently i'm not talking about the past just at least currently mm -hmm. it wouldn't be even remotely the same right yeah. because graffiti writers came along and it was basically a game of like most biggest you know hardest to reach best uh and because of that, it was a natural progression for them to fall into spray paint because it allowed them to put more paint on the wall quickly, yeah. right? Um, and once they really started heavily getting into spray paint, some people realized like, hey, we could probably do this better, you know? So they came up with techniques. They started making their own caps. Eventually they started companies so they could order their own caps. You know, they changed up the way nozzles worked. They changed the type of paint. They changed the base. You know what I mean? They got more colors. They added more pigment. They, you know, all kinds of crazy things with spray paint. So if you really want to get good with spray paint, if you really want to understand spray paint, you kind of have to pay attention to the community that's been doing it the longest and yeah. that's given us so much to learn from, you yeah. know? Um, so I look at a lot of what they're doing and what they've done in the past to try to you know, add new things to my style. And I'll definitely go through phases where I'll experiment with adding things, you know, um, just to get better at them. But that doesn't mean it's always going to stick around. At yeah. least I know how to do it, though. You know what I mean? I feel like most artists, like, things, like, kind of come and go. Mm -hmm. Like, you see things from them in waves. Yeah. You know, it's like it's around for a little while, and then they're like, okay, like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I want to go do this thing. And it's just like... You're never going to get really this, in a sense, the same thing from mm -hmm. an artist, which I, I think might slightly be changing now just because, especially in St. Pete, of the way that, like, the mural community is. And it's just like, you know, a lot of muralists, it's just kind of like, oh, they're known for that. And everyone mm -hmm. wants that. 
So they're kind of like stuck mm-hmm. in doing that because that's what's bringing in the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I was having a conversation with Derek Donnelly about that one time. Um, and he was talking about how he does get a lot of people that want like sea turtles and, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature. And he's more than happy to do it, definitely. But uh, he has noticed that that seems to be cropping up yeah. more and more throughout his career. Yeah. yeah. They all want like, yeah, like I call like Derek, like the turtle king. Mm-hmm. Like they all like turtles they want turtles they want the sea landscape and he's very very good at giving to them oh yeah to them like it's he's very very good at that yeah um but yeah like he is like kind of like this open wheelhouse he's like i can do like way cooler stuff guys yeah well i mean he's one of the big three in saint pete you know it's like zulu him and sebastian really kicked everything off um out of what used to be called Bloom down mm-hmm. at Movement Sanctuary, yep. you know? And so when you look at, at artists, at least locally, that you aspire to be and you do anything with spray paint, I think it would be hard to ignore any three of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Any one of them. Yeah, you can't. Um, because they're both just like, at least locally, so iconic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of those people that he's proven that he can pretty much do anything if, you know, if somebody asks for it. Um, and I think that's why he gets those repeated requests is because we live in Florida. It's like very much part of the culture. So it's just something that naturally you're going to be asked about more often. Yeah. You know, and people know he can do it because he's shown, you know, no matter what you throw at him. I want to see him do an underwater scene with like a lot of like famous musicians because he does yeah. a lot of famous musicians as well. Yeah. And all of them just like chilling underwater. Yeah. And like combine those two things. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, maybe like T Rex is flying or something like that. Yeah. Something like just weird. Just super weird. Yeah, wild. just like super weird. Yeah. Because I feel like he's very like he's a very realistic artist. Yeah. Um, but I just want to see him get funky. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just well, like when I went over there to paint, I did like this big alien on the wall, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think he had like six arms or something, and one of them was like coming out of his mouth, like pointing at the piece that was across from the one I did and um it was funny because he got so excited with how whimsical it was, you know, yeah. and he was like, it's so cool to see somebody that's younger come here and just like genuinely enjoy painting and mm-hmm. um, just have fun with it and do something whimsical and not take it too seriously yeah. or anything like that. You know, so I know that he does have the urge to yeah. to do stuff like that. Definitely. I think like in the next like few years, we might see a more whimsical yeah. uh, Derek. Yeah. And I'm ready for it. Yeah. Like give me a T-Rex with like 10 billion arms. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or like, I don't know, spitting bubbles. Yeah. You know, I'm down for it. Yeah. I did want to like ask you like about the, like the inspiration behind like your tag because it's like it's Henson the healer. Uh-huh. And you said like Henson's your last name. Uh-huh. But like why add the healer to it? Well, uh, so I was hanging around this tattoo shop and uh, there were always like there were a lot of bikers that were in and out of there. So everybody had these like cool nicknames, you know. Um, and my name was just like Zach, just like chilling, you know, or like they would call me Hinson, you know, because Zach was like very normal. So some of them would at least call me Hinson. Um, and it just sounded really out of place. So one day the guy that owned it was like, we got to come up with a nickname for you, you know? Um, so we spent like a week or two brainstorming nicknames and then finally, uh, Hinson the healer came up, uh, because he found that I was half native. Um, and he was like, you know, he, he was like, okay, you know, that's your new nickname because you don't get to pick your own nickname was like his theory, you know. Um, and so that's what people started calling me. And eventually I 
just like ran with it, changed my Instagram to it, you know, email address, like everything, all my everything is Hinson the Healer now. Um, and it just kind of like took off. And I think it's like a memorable name because it's so, it's kind of odd, you yeah. know, especially for a guy that's like very much not the stereotypical, like hippie looking person, you mm -hmm. know, um, cause I'm like covered in all these tattoos, you know, and like big, like metal, like hold fast rings and, um, you know, but I feel like that's the hippie look these days. You think so? Yeah. Like, I think, like, we're moving away from, like, the flower power, like, yeah. kind of, like, and, like, that, like, your aesthetic is, in a sense, like, that hippie, like, grunge alternative yeah. uh, style. Yeah. You know, it's just, like, I feel like, you know, I, that aesthetic is, like, deep inside me and it hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, I, like, present myself very normally. And then I look at yeah. you guys and I'm like, dude, I gotta get to that point. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I get so mad. I only have three tattoos and i'm like cover yeah. me in ink yeah yeah i'm absolutely covered i i had to move on to my legs recently so i've started getting like little ones um above my knees and mm -hmm. stuff like that you know like i got a 94 tattoo recently like the brand of spray paint okay um and then all the other ones on my legs besides that are ones that like other people have picked out and just been like oh, I would love to do this tattoo. And I was like, okay, cool. Normally they're like apprentices. They haven't tattooed very many people. Yeah. I have a ton of tattoos, so I'm not really scared to be tattooed by an apprentice. Um, and so I'm always just like, that's what you want to do. Let's do it. You know, nobody's going to see it unless I let them see it anyway. You know? Yeah. Um, so I recently had to move on to that, but like the necklaces and stuff like that, I was, I very much used to not be that person, you know? And then one day I was out doing something. I forget what it was. And do you remember when Harry Styles wore that, like, blouse with the big pearl necklace? Yes. There was, like, this older guy that didn't say anything about the blouse. Didn't have a problem with the, the blouse. But the pearl necklace, he was really upset about for some reason. To the point where me, as a stranger, he decided to talk to me because I was, like, the youngest person he could find. <laughs> you know Harry you know? Styles. Yeah, you must know Harry Styles. And was giving me a hard time about Harry Styles wearing a pearl necklace. So the next day... Uh, I went to an antique store and bought a bunch of like old lady necklaces. Um, and so now I just wear old lady necklaces all Perfect. the time. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. And so I just, I ended up settling on the two that I wear all the time now just because I feel like they were the ones that people remembered the most. So mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to run with it, you know, mm -hmm. but I used to swap them out pretty regularly. I have to swap it. I have quite a collection. Yeah. I think I've been banned from buying tarot decks, jewelry, <laughs> uh, candles, uh yeah the big three yeah you know i'm i'm moving on to organizational furniture now and yeah. just furniture in general yeah so uh he's screwed yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i man i wish i have such a hard time finding functional furniture especially for the studio you mm -hmm. know in the house it's not so hard because like things tend to be made for a house right but like yeah. things don't tend to be made to hold like 50 cans of spray paint no you know what i mean and like um, or, you know, like a bunch of markers or whatever. I think you did a very good job with all that. Yeah, that they're uh, plant pots from Ikea. Perfect. The, like, movable ones on the wall. So I just, like, hung, hung them up there. I can pop them out. You know what I mean? They're Thank perfect. you, Ikea. Yeah, exactly. I love that place. Yeah. Like, as much as, like, you know, like, yeah, local all the time. But it's like, can you really deny Ikea? Well, it was so cheap, too. Like, yeah. I got three racks of them. I think I paid, like, $25 yeah. for all three racks plus the pots. It's like, come on. Yeah. You can't, yeah. We're, we're millennials now. We're yeah. Really yeah. Know. yeah. Things, are, things the, are rough. The fact that I own a house is outrageous for our generation. Like, I bought a house and I was like, dude, I'm so 
rich with like five dollars in my bank account you know what i mean like after i bought it like (laughs) i was like telling my mom last night i was like it's just so hard to live yeah like everything is just so difficult like i just like want to like be like happy and not like worry about everything and not consistently just like be stressed about basic things that just kind of should be easy yeah see that's another reason the the brain damage is a blessing is because like all that shit it just (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna remember anyway you know what i mean if my wife tells me to stress out about it i stress out about it but chances are in an hour i'm gonna completely forget yeah i feel like you should like always listen to the wife if the wife is stressing out about it then i think you should probably be stressing out about it yeah no no I'm, i'm definitely that guy that's like hey it's not a big deal and she'll be like there's a hole in the wall you know what i mean and i'll be like hey but it's not in the roof you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that drives me crazy because I'm like a huge like like I worry about everything. I see the the what ifs to everything, yeah. and I was like, it's cool, it's chill, and I'm like, no, it's not. I'm freaking out on the inside. I can't breathe. I can't feel my heart. Like I need yeah. one of you guys just validate my feelings and just tell me a solution to this or help me find one, and then yeah. I'll be fine. But telling me that it's okay just yeah. don't worry about it is only going to fill me with rage yeah yeah she normally there's like i think she's been dealing with it for so long as far as me mm-hmm. goes that now there's like a brief moment of rage before she realizes she's not going to be able to convince me to stress out about it and then she normally just lets it go yeah. you know which is good i feel like that's healthy i feel like just letting it go and being like you we'll fix it when we can fix like, it like reduce her stress levels a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, she talks about that with me a lot, actually. Like, she it definitely used to frustrate her a lot mm-hmm. in the past, you know. Uh, but now that she's realized that I, it's just like a, I'm always going to do that, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just, it's you. Yeah. You she's, can't change it. She was like, my life is less stressful. Now that mm-hmm. I know that you will fix it when you can fix it. But you're, I'm just not going to convince you to stress out about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's like a good philosophy to have, too. Like, you know, if like in her head, she's like, okay, like, I know he's going to fix it. Yeah. So there's really no need for me to stress out. That's another big thing for me, too, is like, I want it done now. Yeah, so does she. Like, well, she used right to. right now. Yeah. And I'm not at that spot yet where I can just be like, okay, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. Like, you know, thanks, Dad. You yeah. gave that to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll always... end up having to say stuff too like okay i will but i have to paint my wall first you know and um i think at first when because she's not a very artistic person Mm -hmm. at all right i think at first she definitely did believe in me but it would frustrate her because she kind of viewed it as like a hobby and not something that i was like forcing myself to do as like work you know and like taking very seriously Uh um and then once she realized that like it wasn't just about the fact mm-hmm. that I loved it, you know. Then I think she did start to take that more yeah. seriously. But at first, definitely, she would be like, I need you to do this. And I would be like, okay, but first, I'm going to paint. I think she would be like, why? Why can't you just do it yeah. right now? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, in your head, that's your job. Yes. And, yeah. and, like, in her head, like, yeah, like you said, she's like, she didn't necessarily under that, understand that concept yet. That, like, oh, he's working, not yeah. just playing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that is like well okay so i haven't just i go back and forth in my head a lot it's either in a midwest thing because i'm originally from ohio okay right that's either a midwest thing or it's like an older generation thing you know where people view it as a hobby no matter how far you take it yeah right because it's like my grandmother definitely she'll like call me up and i love my grandmother to death i call her giggle box um 
apparently because she was like tickling my tummy one time when I was like a really little kid. I don't remember it, but I was I've been told this story a lot. Um, and she called me a giggle box, and I said, "No, you're a giggle box." And uh, for some reason, I just called her giggle box ever since then. So you don't like really call her grandma? No. No, I, I do when I first meet people, I'll be like, this is my grandma Gigglebox. And then after I tell them, I You're call it Gigglebox, like, it's just Gigglebox. It's Gigglebox. I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, definitely she'll call me up. And like I said, I love her to death, but she'll she'll be like, oh, you're really making this hobby work, you know? <laughs> and I think that's in part because, so I have, like, those pastel ducks up mm-hmm. on in that frame. That was her ex-husband used to do a lot with pastels and sell it but I don't think he was ever interested in taking it further than a hobby so I think that is like partially left over from Mm -hmm. that relationship in her life you know but I do think it's a lot her generation you know I do hear it less from people that live in Florida I think because Florida is a little bit more of an artistic state you know yeah Um, I feel like we moved from just like Florida man all the crazy shit happens in Florida to be like oh wow Florida yeah St. Pete Tampa like, yeah, that place sounds cool. I yeah. Florida man what? Yeah. And I'm like, y'all were hating on us. Like, you got, y'all were hating on us at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, dude. When I first said I was going to move down here, everybody was like, they were freaking out. Because all you ever hear about Florida not living in Florida is crazy people, yeah. you know, doing crazy stuff in Florida. Yeah. 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 So, um, but how it came about is funny. I, when Anissa and I met, mm-hmm. uh, I decided, I had already decided that I was going to move out of state, right? We had been together for like two weeks and I was like, hey, just a heads up, two years from now, I'm moving to a different state. You know, I don't know what state, but I'm going to be leaving Ohio because I don't want to be stuck here my entire life. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, I was like, you know, if this relationship does get serious, you can either decide to come with me or you can decide to stay. No hard feelings either way, you know, and immediately she was like in. She was down. She was like, yeah, let's go to another state. So we made a list of a bunch of states we'd be willing to move to and then wrote down all the names of like the major cities within those states and put it into like a random name generator. Um, And it came up with St. Pete. And so now we live in St. Pete, you know? So it wasn't even like, oh, St. Pete is like an artsy place. I should move there. Like, no, it it literally was so random. 100% random. And you ended up coming to the best place for you. Yeah, well... And what's funny about that is when I first got here, people would be like, yeah, everybody's moving to St. Pete because they hear about how great it is. You know, like that was always the attitude. And I was like, dude, I don't know what you're talking. I've never heard of St. Pete before I moved here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And people didn't believe me at first, you know. But then after a little while when they saw I was serious, like, no, I really had never heard of St. Pete before mm-hmm. that name popped up. And that generator, they were like, oh, you're not joking. You wow. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So how long have you and your wife been together then? Um... That's one of those things, man. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, Yeah, I, I have know. no idea. It could be... It's somewhere between six and eight years, okay. I believe. So she really was just like down for it. She was like, you know what? Yeah. yeah you're the one. We're, we can go. It's okay. Oh, yeah. She was down after two weeks of us knowing each other. I, mm-hmm. I think we went on three dates before she brought stuff over my to my house to like stay the night and then just like didn't go back to where she was living i love it except to eventually just get the rest of her stuff i feel like that's how it goes like in like Mm. relationships that kind of like really do just like make it yeah it's just like just kind of this spontaneous like oh okay yeah yeah this is it currently like working on anything um that you're just like kind of like ready to showcase to the world um 
Yeah, so tomorrow I actually have a final meeting to talk about uh, some clothing that's going to come out with a clothing company. Um, Fun! Yeah, I'm so excited. I love artist merch. Yeah. Well, it's like they wanted to do a limited edition series for their company that Mm -hmm. just like featured the artwork of an artist in collaboration with their in-house designer, you know? Okay. Um, And the guy that does all of their in-house designing is like, I really love his work, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like a very doodle, uh, like mishmash, very like visually interesting style, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I've always been a fan of that, not necessarily to do it, but just because I think it's cool to see how somebody's brain can work in that way, you yeah. know. So when they offered me the chance to do it, I was like, yeah, you know, and they were like, how, you know, can we just get you to do like your weirdest stuff? Like the weirdest stuff you do is the stuff we like the most. And I was like, that's you're asking a lot you're probably gonna have to ask me to reel it in you know and i sent him the first draft well that's the thing is i sent him the first draft that was like as far out there as i could think to make it thinking they were gonna ask me to reel it in they were like perfect and i was like all right man you know (laughs) weird weird is in i think people are finally just like so fed up with like the bs yeah that they want to like live by their weird authentic self yeah exactly and more and more people are like kind of gravitating towards that because for so long like it's just kind of been told by society like no yeah and now in a sense being weird is mainstream yeah well and to be fair i do really love the design i came up with Mm -hmm. i think it's like just weird enough to like circle back around the relatable you know what i mean um and so you know, I'm very excited for people to see it. And it's a style that I think if you look back at my older stuff that I used to do quite frequently, um, but I kind of stepped away from because I was focusing more on the folk art stuff and things mm-hmm. like that. So I'm excited, you know, for that to make its return. And um, and then I'll be doing hopefully or not hopefully, I think they already did approach me about doing other stuff in the style that I currently do with spray paint as well. So nice. um, it should be like a good mix of things. Plus, I always do... Uh, you know, I'm always like live painting, going to gallery yeah. shows and um, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. Man. Do you think we'll see like a solo show from you anytime soon? Yeah. Cool. I'm yeah. down for it. Yeah. I like the little parking signs that you're painting now. Thank you. Yeah. There's a whole stack of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think like just doing a solo show of just like painted parking signs would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'm, uh, there's also going to be a prosthetic leg. Like I, I was at a garage sale and somebody bought a storage unit and, uh, they were selling a prosthetic leg and I was like, how much? And the dude was like 20 bucks and I was like five bucks and he was like sold. So I have like a whole literally like top of the hip all the way down to the foot, like semi-realistic looking prosthetic leg that will be. Oh, that's going to look cool. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of excited to see uh, what you do with that. It's all primed up, uh, waiting for, like, its its, uh, base coat of color sitting in by the practice wall. So I'll show you guys before. Nice. Cool, cool. Okay, we're not going to show anyone by. It's going to be just our little secret. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. You'll see it later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, like, just to get, like, maybe just, like, a kind of, like, a little sappy and heartfelt, like, what do you want, like, in a sense, your art to, like, mean to the art world? Uh, so that's a good question. Um, and I worry that my response will make me sound like very pretentious, right? Um, because I am a very self-conscious person in that way of like not wanting to be like perceived as that type of person, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, 
but when I look at the people that have influenced me as far as like in their own styles, you know, uh, I think Andy Warhol, um, I'm not like the number one Banksy fan, but I do look up to what he was able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you look at, at those people, as, as well as a few others like Hieronymus Bosch during mm-hmm. the Renaissance, I think is a really great example. What all those people essentially have in common is they took something that seemed obvious but wasn't necessarily publicly accepted or accepted by the larger art groups as a whole you know um and made it acceptable and you know started having it show up in galleries and stuff like that so for example uh andy warhol you know created pop art you know Mm -hmm. or essentially he was the one that fully opened that door it's hard to say that he created it by himself but he was the one that opened that door you know um and then when you look at, at Banksy, he, was, he wasn't he was a graffiti writer. So very important distinction since I know a lot of graffiti people. Wasn't a graffiti writer, definitely a street artist. But because he made spray paint acceptable, he definitely did open that door for writers, you know. Um, and Hieronymus Bosch, you know, he functioned at a time that if you painted the Mother Mary's robes with the wrong pigment of blue they would chop your hands off. And he did like these wild scenes of like people sliding out of people's mouths with their like heads chopped off and like fish with feet and like all kinds of crazy stuff. You know what I mean? And so he opened the door for artists to become a little bit more explorative, you know? Okay. Um, And so my goal is to at least crack the door, if not open it for all of this folk art that's not necessarily taken seriously at this point in time you know and show people that just because it seems simple doesn't mean it's it is you know what i mean and that the context behind it can be worth uh you know just as much as the technical skill it takes to make something look that clean and simple you know um and so i I really would love to be that person that at least starts the process of of that door opening so all of these things that we kind of take for granted and, and just see around can start to become respected. Cause you know, even traditional tattooing, there's this like huge culture and history behind it. And it is yeah. one of the few things that we as Americans can point to and be like, this is from us. You know what I okay. mean? Um, and yet it's still not accepted, uh, you know, as a whole uh, by like hmm. the greater art community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can see that. So I really would love to at least be the person to, to begin the process of that door opening you know all of these people that came up with a lot of these designs originally um finally getting the that recognition yeah you know yeah because i mean it's been around for a while yeah exactly yeah yeah there's a really great quote i have a a book over there that was a journal from a German tattooer that spent time with a lot of American tattooers and he started doing American traditional like style of work over in Germany and uh there there's a quote in it about how despite like the com the complexity of simplifying these designs for some reason all of this imagery hasn't been accepted you know as a fine art and it was his opinion that it should have been a long time ago and that was like back in the i think that book's from like the 40s oh wow you know what i mean so like this has been a thing that i know uh that community's been seeking for a really long time time. yeah 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 is there like anything that um in the saint pete area as far as the art scene goes that you want to see more of um 
Yeah, and, and this one is like a little bit controversial, but I think uh, like proper critiquing. Okay. You know, um, the reason I say that is because, so when I was in college, like one of the first things that they teach you is how to critique works of art the right way and like a helpful way. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and essentially what that means is eliminating uh, like opinion-based critiques, you know? So saying like this should have a, like this color should be a pattern instead of just a color or like you know um like this should be blue instead of red or something like that like get rid of all of mm -hmm. that and instead just make it about um saying things like hey i see the value is a little bit off here first of all you have to know whether that's stylistic or not right mm -hmm. based on reference images of similar types of work and things like that but uh, if it is, then be like, hey, the value is a little bit off here. This is how I practice that type of value. Like this is, you know, this is what I do. Uh, this might help you out in the future, you know. Okay. Um, and I think in the St. Pete community, I see a lot of people uh, very scared of critique because it like, let's be honest, like you're making something that you care about. So it's not going to feel good no matter what. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's important for progression as a whole, you know, so. I do see a lot of people that are either scared of it, maybe they don't know how to critique, or maybe they've only been critiqued the, the wrong way mm -hmm. with opinion-based stuff, so now they just have a permanent stigma about it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I would like to see more people in the community understanding the right way to critique if they're going to critique, or if they're scared of critique, understanding that it doesn't have to be a personal thing, and that at the end of the day, it does help all of us, because if somebody is giving you genuine knowledge and not yeah. just an opinion it can only help you it can only make you better exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and that doesn't mean you have to listen either but it's good to at yeah. least know but yeah to have it in your head yeah i think a lot of people in general are just kind of like scared of critique mm -hmm. you know it's like it's not fun like being cr like critiqued or like corrected or yeah. like you know it's it's not a fun feeling but it's like you said it's like you're only gonna get better with it exactly you know if yeah. it's delivered in the right way yeah i don't think a lot of people deliver it <laughs> yeah well I, I mean and to be fair like i don't think they've ever been told either so you know if anybody ever like has done something like that or said something like that to me personally i never really get mad about it like sometimes i will say you know oh that's like a stylistic thing or whatever or, mm -hmm. you know um i will have a response but i'm never like actually upset about it because yeah. a lot of times it's just like they didn't go to like some college where they sit down and teach you how to critique you know what i mean so th there's no way you could know you know i liked like when i was teaching like my big thing was i would always give a compliment and then the like the correction yeah that's a great you know, way to do it i was like oh I, like i really like you know loved how you did this yeah. but this is you know i need you to do this next yeah. time you know or i want like i need you to turn more mm. when you do that but like i really loved your force there yeah um you know because like mine like it was more technical i needed them to have the correct mm. technique so i had to like get in there and be like no like this isn't right yeah. but like you know when you're dealing with kids you know i had to like be like i loved that so much yeah. but i need you to turn more yeah and you know i have, I have little demons man yeah i have little killers yeah yeah I loved Kids are gnarly. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Gnarly. Yeah. I mean, They're good honest. ways and bad ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know how many times I, like, get cracked on by kids where they're like, you know, like, you're kind of a loser right now. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
Yeah, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I you feel know. that. I feel that. <laughs> you know, do you think that outfit is like really appropriate right now? Yeah. It's like, excuse me? Yeah. I was like, I pay taxes. It's 90 degrees out and you're wearing rain boots, so don't talk to me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like you have burgers hanging from the yeah. nose, so I don't really think you can be critiquing yeah. me right now. Yeah. You know, but no, I, I miss those little burgers. Um, okay. My last question is, is always a doozy, but I love to ask the artists this. Yeah. Um, is if you could do one last painting, mm-hmm. who would be the receiver of it? Um, I mean, I think the only, like, in reality, I think the only person I would give it to would be my wife, you know? Because, okay. like, it's not, like, I don't have kids or anything, yeah. you know? Like, um, I've given my wife you know some art but she's not like super into it so the stuff that i give her tends to be like me painting on things she can use every day you know oh, I like um that. so i think my friends have like quite a bit of my work and so i think that pretty much just like leaves you know me wanting to paint something for her that would be like a little bit more lasting than something she would use on a daily mm-hmm. basis you know so i think i think that is really the only answer i could give yeah the yeah. why that's a good answer. Yeah. It is. I feel like if you know if they're a husband, the answer should always be your wife. Yeah. yeah. Well, but there's a difference between, like, it has to be my wife and, like, genuinely, I think <laughs> like it would be my wife. Like, wanting to be your yeah, wife. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think that, like, the like the whole difference, in a sense, between, like, older generations, too, is they're like, oh, I'm going to be the wife. And, like, I think yeah. genuinely, like, our generation and your generation, like, we really are, like, you know, we're, like, we're, we're picking yeah. for love. Like, we genuinely are like, yeah, I can't wait to be married. Yeah. You know, like... I hear so many people be like, oh, the old ball and chain. Yeah. And I'm always thinking, I never I'm got like, that. I never, ever, ever want to hear like my husband or partner think of me that way. Yeah. Like if you have to refer to me as your ball and chain, then like, why are you even with me? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Anissa and I will joke around with each other quite a bit, you know, um, but just because like that's our sense of humor, yeah. you know, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it. Like, she knows I'm a brutally honest person. She's a pretty honest person. Mm-hmm. So when we say, like, we're in this because, like, that's our partner. That's our best friend. Yeah. It's genuine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think you're right is definitely a generational thing. Yeah. 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 I've heard a lot of old married men be like, ah, damn wife. Yeah. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, do you even like her? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Jesus. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us. This was awesome being able to like kind of like pick your brain a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope you enjoy chatting with us too. Yeah, of course. I'm glad you guys came out. Yeah. Hopefully I didn't say anything too embarrassing. No, not um, at all. We love it. <laughs> the more embarrassing, the better. Yeah. Uh, I always try to at least sound like a normal person, you know, whenever I have to do any public speaking. But being an artist, it's difficult. You know, no, on I'm Good sure Morning St. Pete, we don't want normal. Yeah. Like, we want yeah. the real nitty gritty, yeah. like, yeah. you know, kind of true blue yeah. of who, you know, you guys are. Well, it's been fantastic, so thank, thank you. you. We will have with our local artists and business owners. For some fun behind the scenes, follow us on Instagram at Good Morning St. Pete. We hope you all have a sunny day and remember to always stay super cool.